Great to be here again, and thank you again to Mju and Sunim and everyone else for welcoming me here. I am going to uh, just share with you the way that I follow, the headless way, for discovering who we really are. Who are we? Who are you? So I suggest that there is what you look like to me now, which is uh, you as a person, what I can see and what you can see of me, and then there's what you look like to you. We're going to focus mainly on what you look like to you. I'd like you just to notice that you cannot see your own face. So even if you've done this before, like yesterday or not, doesn't matter. This is a fresh look at what it's like to be you, here and now, sitting on your cushion or wherever, what it's like. And you've been told, I've been told, that I am what I look like. I'm Richard, see, which of course I am. But I would say I am from your point of view. And from my point of view, I don't see my face. Because I don't see my back. I don't see the wall behind me. And uh, from my point of view, uh, I am looking out of open <coughs> space. Boundless, clear, timeless space. Awareness. And I am absolutely convinced you're in the same condition. And it's just a matter of noticing it. And the way in is to notice you can't see your face right now. So uh, this is a meditation in the sense it's attention. It's not believing me or remembering what you experienced yesterday or a minute ago or imagining it. It's attention now to the place that you're living from, the place you're looking out of, with a suggestion that the place you're looking out of is infinite and still and immensely creative. So to guide our attention to this, we... Uh, just do some very simple awareness exercises. So hold your hands out in front of you, and you can see your hands and the gap between your hands. You're looking at them. You see your fingers there and the movement. Now, to guide your attention to who you really are, this open space, all you have to do, extraordinary as it sounds, is bring your hands back so that they go either side of your head. But notice from your own point of view, they get bigger and bigger. And then there's a point when they get very large and then the fingers disappear. You keep going and they disappear. The hands all the way to the wrists probably. Into this open space, private, open space, headless. And then you bring them forwards again and they emerge magically out of nothing. Mm. Awareness, space, capacity. This is not a feeling, it's not a high, it's not even a realization, it's a non-verbal, neutral observation of what it's like to be you. And obviously you understand from the outside, everyone sees your appearance, everyone sees my appearance. That's what you look like at a distance and in the mirror. But what we're doing here is bring our attention to what it's like right where you are at zero, which no one else can see. So let's just do this again. I, I, I mean, it's a five-year-old thing. 
you see your hands, and the point is to draw your attention back to zero, to the place you're looking out of. So you follow, as you bring your hands back, you follow them, as it were. You're conscious of them as they come closer and closer. You see. Now they're not coming up to head in, in terms of what I can see. They're coming up to nothing, and then I could put my hands in that nothing. I don't see them going on and on. They disappear. I take that seriously. And then I bring them forwards and they come out of this nothing. This space, this capacity, this stillness. Clear land. It's a place that I'm looking out of. I'm absolutely convinced it's a place you're looking out of too. Is that true? Yes. So absolutely normal. You're looking out of this open space. Well, we call it the single eye. So you, you make your hands like this, like glasses. You see two holes with the dividing line, and then bring them towards you as if you're putting them on, and watch how what happens to the dividing line. When you get it right on, it disappears. The two become one. And this indicates you're looking out of one open space here. Or we can even point at this secret place. It's just so obvious, you know, it's embarrassingly obvious. <laughs> uh, really, so point at the floor. Get the idea of directing your attention with your finger, and you, but you're obviously pointing at something of colour and shape. And then you point at your foot, you're becoming a bit nearer to you, you see a thing. Point up at your uh, knee, and you see a thing. Point at your torso. You're directing your attention at another thing. Now point at the place you're looking out of. Where others see your face? No thing. No face. No movement. It's just empty, if you like. And then use your other hand to point out like this, two way. And that indicates that you can't see the nothing without something in it. I mean, at the moment, it's the room in it. You can't just see nothing. The nothing is undivided from the room and from everything else going on. Totally still here, isn't it? Totally still. And out there, movement. Movement, stillness. Color, no color. Shape, no shape. So I'm inviting you just to be aware of this place that we're looking out of, which is nearer to you than your breathing. I mean, you don't have to go anywhere to find it. And it, it, you don't have to do anything to maintain it. <laughs> it's just there, right? Yeah. See, you're looking out of it. I mean, it's so private in a way and so familiar and uh, so much you. I mean, you're not being asked to take on something foreign. You're, you're in, invited to to become aware of of what is uh, completely familiar, and we find it by attention. We don't find it by thinking. It is so available. So I mean, bring your hands and put them in the void here. You see, any, any way above or below or the side, you, hands disappear. It is deceptively simple, and it, it's not a wow, <coughs> is it? It's not. It's just such a non-event in a way. 
that's what's deceptive. People say, oh, it can't be who I really am. I don't feel anything. It is beneath feeling. It's more basic than feeling. Feeling comes out of it. Always there. Look for your face. Now, I'm using language to communicate about this. And gestures and experiments. Just to get us to turn our attention around, if you like, to look at the place we're looking out of. Not just to look out, but to be aware of the place you're looking from. And these gestures, these experiments, just keep us awake or bring our attention back. Because we, we are prone to overlook it all the time. Or accept what others tell us is here. Because you tell me my face is here, which is true from there. But this is relativity. What I look like to you is a person. But if you came up to me, you'd lose Richard and you'd find a layer of cells. I take this seriously. Or if you came up closer, you'd find a layer of molecules, I suppose. If you go away, you'd see Detroit and then the planet. So what you look like is like uh, as layers, like an onion. It really does. We don't, we haven't taken this on board, seriously. That your body is, is spaced out. It's layered, it really is. And I'm now in receipt of your human appearance, which is, is great. But I understand that, that if I came up to you, I would lose that. Or if I went away, I'd lose it. And this isn't a belief. This is verifiable. But we sort of say, yeah, that's true, and then carry on as if it's just gone in one ear and out the other. <laughs> we say, well, of course I can't see my head. I'm in the wrong place. Yeah, you are in the wrong place to see your head, because everyone else is, but I'm in the right place to see my no head. I'm perfectly placed to see my new hair. <laughs> you know, I couldn't be better placed. <laughs> you know, anywhere else. And I, I, yeah. Thank God I'm in the right place to see my new hair. <laughs> so are you, you see. I'm in the right place to see your hair. And you're not. <laughs> so we need each other, don't we? You know, you need me to reflect back your appearance. I've got it, you don't. And I need you, you know, to help me understand who I am at this level. Or I need the, I don't know, the, the doctor to tell me what I'm like at an era level, you see. Or the biologist or the molecular biologist, you know, what's going on at an era level. I, I need that. Or the geographer to tell me what's happening at my geographical or planetary level. I can't do that on my own or without others. But what I am at zero, no one can tell me. Because no one is here but me. And the same with you. But we get a similar reading because you can't see your head there, can you? <laughs> it's a taboo to admit in public you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> until it becomes a norm right you, I mean, you realise it's, it's not mad it's sane you see it's obvious I can't see mine I've got yours and you can't see yours you've got mine you see this is not like going mad this is waking up to the way things are arranged which is wonderful And then we, you know, we're hidden from each other in terms of our thoughts and feelings and history and dreams and all of that. You know, I haven't, 
very little idea of what you're thinking and feeling and your history and all of that. So in that way, we're hidden from each other. And I'm hidden from you. But in terms of what we're like at zero, there's nothing to hide, is there? I mean, you can't see nothing differently. You don't have a different history of nothingness. <laughs> it's the same nothing, or there's only one. Let's look at that. You see, when you look out, I'm going to call your view the field, field of view. And I'd like you just to notice, uh, uh, bring your hands to where it disappears all around. So what, that's the field of view, uh, it, your view. And you'll notice it fades out. I mean, it doesn't go on forever. You can't see. It fades out on the left and the right and the top and the bottom. And it's sort of oval. I don't know. It's rather difficult to describe. Because we just say it's oval, but I'm not sure it is, you see. Because an oval, if you have an oval, has something around it. That's how you define an oval. You know, it's got... Mm. But you look at the field of view and there's nothing around it. So, I mean, is it oval or not? I mean, it's convenient <laughs> to say it's oval, uh, and it seems to be wider than it is higher, but I'm not quite sure about that, mm -hmm. you see. We, we just assume, we know. And you look at any of these patterns, and there's another thing around it. You can define a square because it's got something all the way around it. You see, and if it had a bump here, it wouldn't be a square, you could see. But you look at the whole view, it fades out. Is there anything around it? Now, you don't have to look that up in a book. I wonder what it says in the Mahamudra Sutra. <laughs> a, they might have it wrong, right? And B, you're looking at it. So look, you know, and the thing is, don't be fooled if you can't quite describe it. Because I can't. I mean, how do you describe something fading into nothing? Well, I've just I've said it, but I mean, it doesn't really fit. But the thing is, you've got the experience, and the words are secondary. We think we've got to have the right words, and then we've got the experience. The other way around. You've got the experience of who you really are now. You're this open space full of everything. And then we fumble around with words, trying to think about it and understand it and communicate about it. But that's secondary. So you've got the experience now, as you look out of the field of view, and it fades out, and I'm saying it fades out into nothing, but that is, that is a secondary kind of attempt to communicate about it. But you've got the experience. Your hands disappear, see, all the way around. It's very weird. You see, what is above the field of view? No one ever asked that. Say, oh, well, you, 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 uh, the sky. Really? Can you see the sky? No, but I know it's there. Yeah, but all right, let's distinguish between what you know, which is very useful, and what you directly experience. That's all. We're not saying one is right and the other is wrong, in a way. So you look at some of these you know, patterns and you'll say, well, they're about the same size. You compare them, or this is bigger. Sorry. <laughs> This is, this is bigger than one of these. It's relative. The size is, is, this is bigger than that, but the whole thing is bigger than that, you know. Or one cushion is bigger than another. But then you look, so it's relative, but then you look at the whole view now. How big is it? Well, there isn't a second one to compare it with. 
Now, every time I kind of bring this to mind, it astonishes me. Uh, it's so brilliant. There's only one. I mean, it's such a relief. <laughs> you hear about the others. You can tell me that you've got your view and what's in it is different from mine. Great. But I am uh, distinguishing between what I hear, hearsay, which I take seriously, and direct experience. You mm -hmm. see, in my direct experience, I have to admit, there's only one view, and therefore I can't say it's bigger or smaller than yours. Or any, it's only one. Incomparable. One view. It's very friendly somehow. One view. I can't say how big, I mean, how wide is it? I mean, I wonder what it says in the Mahamudra Sutra. <laughs> <laughs> 3.4 meters across, I think it says. <laughs> 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 you, you, you say, put the book down and look, for God's sake, you see. Well, I can't say how wide it is exactly. I know exactly what you mean because there isn't a second one to compare it with. And is it inside something, you see? Or is it floating in nothing? It's so freeing to be able to say that, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a language. But I mean, there's nothing underneath it, nothing above it, and there's nothing around the other side of it, and there's nothing in front of it. It's kind of floating. Magic. And, you know, one's first response might be, whoa, that's weird, you know, I mean, whoa, how could you live, you know? You've been living like this the whole, all the time. This is nothing different. You're just noticing how it is, and it works. You know? And it's very freeing to realize you're floating in nothing, you see. Weightless, Because it's not just true visually, it's at every sense, so we'll look at that. But the visual, you see, I start with the visual because it's very easy to communicate it because vision is usually people's dominant sense. You know, we, you don't drive by listening. <laughs> you drive by looking but primarily, right? You know, or you don't uh, normally, you know, if I say, where's the door? You point, you see. It's just the dominant sense for most of us. You see, you know, so that's I just start. It's not the only one, not you know, perhaps not the most important one to, for some of us listening. But now uh, you, you see, we've got the idea. Ah, I get the idea. You, you, I look for myself. I've got everything I need to find who I really am. My attention. I, I don't have to take anybody's word for this. That's the problem. You mean I, I, it's, it's all available for me to actually look for myself and find it? Yes. We're just educated out of that. Mm. Someone else knows more about it than, than we do. No, they don't. Cause you, so now close your eyes and be aware the field of view has changed radically and it's dark. Now how big is that darkness? Well, there isn't a second one. I mean, look, can you find a second one? I mean, don't take my word for it. I don't find a second one. And is it inside something? You know, a head or a box or a room? I mean, not from memory, you see. You've got to put aside your memory. 
I can't say how big it is. There isn't a second one. It's not inside anything. Now open your eyes. Now I'm, I'm going to suggest to you that uh, from the first private point of view, you, you have a magic power here. You can make the room disappear. So in language we say, close your eyes. There, it's gone. Now open your eyes. Bam, magic. Now, I conveniently use the language of you know, my appearance to say I'm closing my eyes. But you close your eyes and notice if you're actually closing eyes or whether the room just goes dark. You're empty, you see, your space. Now open your eyes, the room reappears in the nothingness. We've got both. I understand for you, my eyes are closing and opening and the room stays. But from my experience, the, the room just kind of dis, disappears. And then it magically appears in the nothing. And I don't, I, the space remains still and present, awareness, and magically the room has, is appearing in it. Yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. We all know this, surely. I mean, it's our experience. We just have been taught to uh, reframe it from other people's point of view, that I'm closing my eyes and the room is still here. You've got both. So there's the language of the third person, I'm Richard, I'm closing my eyes and the room is still there and I'm opening my eyes, and there's the language of the first person which is, I don't close my eyes, the room disappears and now reappears in nothing. And I'm now going to pour water into the void. <laughs> Magic! <laughs> For my next trick, I'm now going to pour water <laughs> into nothing. <laughs> For my next trick, I'm now going to make the room disappear. <laughs> now I'm going to make it reappear, you see. <laughs> right. I am now going to transmit this profound power to you. So, close your eyes. There you see, you have now the ability to destroy the world. Open your eyes. There you are. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. <laughs> You'll get your certificate at the end. <laughs> Today, at the Zen Center, I learned to destroy and recreate the world. <laughs> and pour water into nothing. <laughs> so now, you see, close your eyes or make the room disappear. And be aware of sounds. And the sounds are coming and going. And uh, lots of different sounds. So just uh, pause for a moment and be aware of all the different sounds going on. And now ask yourself, how big is this whole field of sound? Well, I mean, there's only one. How can you say how big it is? You can't. Is it inside something? I don't find it is. I mean, it kind of, it's in the nothing, in the awareness. It's in the same nothing as the darkness. Open your eyes. You see?
It's happening, it's happening in the nothing, you see. I mean, you could even put your fingers in your ears and you would close down, you had the power to stop sound, you see. It, it, you're just putting your hands in your ears, Richard. I am for you, for me, I, I'm, you know, there's that power, yeah. You're the awareness in which the room is happening and the sounds are happening. True? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've got it recorded now. You can't go back on that one. <laughs> well, Chloe, you see, it's true of all the senses uh, and it's the most wonderful discovery. It's a private thing. You can't prove it. I can't prove to you that I'm space for the world. You see, I am just experiencing it. But you, you don't need to believe me. You look for yourself and see if it's true for you. you see. So you close your eyes now and be aware of your body sensations. And uh, put aside for the time being, as much as you can, your memory or your imagination of what your, the sensations look like. So you go to the sensation you call your right foot. Well, you, you've got a vague image of that. But on present evidence, what, what's, what shape is that sensation? Don't try too hard, just attend. Let it reveal itself. You see, uh, how big is it? How far away is it? From what? Is it inside something? Really? You'll be aware of your whole field of sensation, body. It, it, as if you're a baby and you're just, you know, you're just very, very young and you've not learned anything yet about what you look like, well, how would you know what shape this is? I mean, it could be planet-sized or cell-sized or planet-shaped or uh, in any shape. How, you, it, how, how wide across is it? I mean, if you're just an infant, you're not thinking it's small. It's as big as it is. I mean, it's incomparable. And it's not, I don't experience it inside a body, a thing. It's happening in the nothingness, in, in this space, whatever you want to call it. It sort of fades out, like the field of view fades out into the nothing. It's hanging weightlessly in the nothing. These sensations are sort of hanging weightlessly, arising in the space. And we identify with these, you know, probably more easily than the sound of the clock. You identify with these sensations. So now I, I can say, uh, uh, this, I am single. There's only one field of sensation. There's only one... So I, if I identify with them, I am one, I am single. I'm not inside anything. You don't have to force anything. 
You don't even have to think about it. It's pre-verbal, really, or, or sub-verbal. Now open your eyes and notice, uh, I suggest, that it's the same, that your field of sensation is still single. You hear about everybody else's sensations, you know, they tell you, you know, my, uh, my hand hurts or something. But you don't experience it directly, you just experience yours. Now how big is that? See, I, I don't, it's single. There's nothing to compare it with. Is it inside a box? You can probably see a bit of your body, but is that really inside that? This is uh, very therapeutic. It's like the cat. You know the cat? The cat. It, it, you can see. It, it's just big. Is big, very sensitive and aware, but it's not imagining it's all these sensations inside this little cat body. That's what it looks like. It'll have some idea, I suspect, you know, what what it looks like, but it, it's at large, as we say. It's at large. It's big. It's sensitive. You know. The idea of your sensations are in a box gives you the idea you're really cut off. Mm. You know, my sensations are in a box here about three feet from you. Or t well, actually, they're not. Right. They melt, they, they uh, blend with the room, you see. So you, you, you're, you realize, oh, you, you, you're sensing out there. You're not in here looking at. You're, it's all, you know, you're big. It's not. The cat is... It isn't, you know, that's what the cat is really sensitive. You know, some, you, a sound, it's got it. Because it's, it's out there, you see, you see. So this is just uh, returning to what's natural and, and obvious and healthy and loving, really, and kind. So close your eyes again, and uh, you see, you're aware of the darkness floating in nothing, so to speak, single, and, and uh, the uh, sounds coming and going in the same space, awareness, silence, is a word to, to indicate that the sounds are uh, arising and disappearing in this mysterious nothingness, and the sensations in the same nothing. Uh, and you don't have to make it happen or force yourself to understand it, or it's just there already. It's like it's already going on. And you don't need to kind of define it. And then be aware of your thoughts and feelings. Thoughts about what we're doing. Your memory of what you were doing before you came here. Your anticipation of what you might be doing at lunchtime. And uh, your, you know, think about a friend and the affection you feel towards your friend. All these Thoughts, feelings, reactions, responses, fears, anxieties are what we call mental objects. Well, how big is that whole field of mental objects, of mind, if you like? It's very complicated, more or less out of your control, really. But how wide is it? How deep is it? 
Where is it happening? Inside a head? Really? Or in this no mind? I say in this no mind, in this space that's free and empty and unaffected or unmarked or unharmed by any of all this activity, sounds, sensations, thoughts, feelings, experiences, come and go in this openness for all of us, I'm sure. Now open your eyes. And uh, of course you're still aware of your thoughts and feelings. That they're not, in my experience, inside a box here. The nothingness is very creative, isn't it? Coming up with all of this stuff. <laughs> How does it do it? I think it says on page 93. <laughs> okay, magic. <laughs> so point back at the place you're looking out of. You see, we go back to simplicity, to just attention, to what, who you are. You've been told you're a person. Face to face with others, now look for yourself. No face here, no boundary, no uh, thing here at all, but capacity, space for the finger and the thoughts and feelings and sensations and everything. And uh, clearly this you pointing here, uh, only you can see your no head here. Everyone else sees a head here. There's a difference between what you look like to others and what you look like to yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any reflections to share? Notice it's very, uh, and it feels kind of freeing to know that other people don't see their own face. Yes. I don't know why, but it seems like you feel less self-conscious. Yes. People don't know that they look like they're looking at me. I don't know how to Yes, all of that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Another thing is, are you saying that we kind of realized at a young age that we could make the world disappear and reappear, and then someone told us that when that happens, you're actually just closing your eyes and the world doesn't disappear. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, you know, that's what's really happening. That's right. Yeah. Yes. We are talked out of our true identity. The process of our lives is we start being the baby, growing up we shrink. Then when you realize who you are again, you are open again. Shrink, open. And that happens all the time, you know. I mean, every time you look, you see you're big again. So, uh, but, uh, this is a natural process. You know? So that, that uh, submission to the 
authority of others that I'm just closing my eyes and I'm not really making the room disappear. It is a necessary thing to do to join the club, the human club. <laughs> See, to be a human being, to join in, to be a member of society, you, you have to give up your divine identity. You have to uh, abandon it in a way. But only temporarily, hopefully. And uh, what we're doing here is reclaiming our uh, true wealth. We've had it on hold. It's been, uh, you know, in a trust. Our true wealth has been in a trust, you see. And you've, got, you've gone out into the world thinking you've only a tiny little bit, you see. But actually, it's, it's been there all the time, because you own everything, everything's within you, you're the source of everything. Mm -hmm. And now what we're doing now is, is going back to the bank and saying, can I have my money, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if my thoughts and feelings and physical sensations are happening within an open space, is that what you mean when you say your thoughts are outside of you? When I say the thoughts are... Are outside of you? Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. You see that the, you've got the experience and we, uh, we're using language to communicate about it. So... Uh, that's a way of putting it, yeah. It's very, very interesting, you see. Uh, when when uh, you are um, growing up, you have to learn that your thoughts are in your head because they're just naturally out there in the world. And uh, you, you do, as a child, you don't realize that they're not, uh, that they're private, you think they're public. And uh, that's why a, a, a young child will just tell the truth because, you know, it's, uh, it's just public. For the child, it's public. What you're thinking and feeling isn't private, you know, so you tell your mum. Until the moment you suddenly realise that she can't see what you're thinking. Mm. And you can keep secrets and even lie. Right. And that is the uh, important developmental stage. And they have tests for this. For example, uh, one test they do to work out, you see, this is working out. When you realize your thoughts are in your head, when you take on that view, you then realize that other heads must have thoughts in them that you can't see. If your thoughts are in your head, which you can't see your head, See, but if they're hidden inside your, your head, you see, no one can see. Yes? I don't know if this is a confusing point for people, but when Peter asked you if uh, your thoughts are not in you, you know that he asked whether the, his thoughts and feelings, you're saying that they're not in you? You said they're out in the world. That's what I was asking. Right. And, but early on, you would say, everything is within me. I think that's a confusing point. When you're referring to the me, you're not referring to Richard any longer. No, that's right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure, Peter, do you see that? He's referring to the openness. Yes. Exactly. Yes, that's right. So, it is a vital stage of development to come to the view that, that your thoughts are in your head and in other heads there must be thoughts. Mm -hmm. So that you now have the idea that that person over there is thinking and seeing and listening because you can't prove it. But you take on the view, you see, even when I'm nodding my head, that I'm sensitive, I've got sensations, you see. Yeah. So you just accept that. But that's a learned thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the test that they do is they'll get, say, a box, and you've got an infant, and the infant's there, and you put some pencils in the box, and you close the lid of the box, and the infant has seen this happen. So the infant knows that the pencils are in the box. And then someone comes in the room, and you say to George or whoever, does that person know what's in the box? And the first stage is, of course they know what's in the box. There are pencils in the box, <laughs> you see. Right? I mean, there are pencils in the box. Right? A bit later, a few months later, they do the same thing. And the child goes, no, they don't know what's in the box, because they didn't see it. I know, but they don't, you see. And that is a developmental stage of, I... My mind, my experience now, is not public. It is mine, and you've got mm. yours, mm. and I can hide things from you, mm. you see. This is vital. Uh, so now we operate as if that's true, as if there are you know, 20 minds here, or 15, or whatever, and you've got one of them <laughs> in your little box, and they're all in there, you see. And this is uh, uh, the development of the idea of, of separate minds. It's very useful. So we've got that going. But now we come back to paying attention to what it's actually like to be you. And you have no evidence at all of any other mind. It doesn't mean to say you then drop that idea. You can't, and it's uh, very useful. But you distinguish between the, the socially accepted view that there are many minds here, and when you go out, you'll go somewhere else even though I can't see it, and your direct experience that when they go out, they've gone, and there are no other minds, and your thoughts and feelings are the only one, and they're not in a box. They're in the open space, you see, along with all the sounds, and... Uh, but then you see... You recognize that inasmuch as you accept that there are others here, that they must be in the same brilliant, beautiful condition too. That where they are, they're headless, you see. And it's all happening in them. So you're looking out of space too. True? True. You see? And so you can verify it. <laughs> <laughs> and your mind is at large, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're not in a box there, are you? No. Isn't that brilliant, you see? So you have to go through this stage of imagining that there's someone over there and they've got their own experience separate from yours that you can't see, which is not given. 
But uh, you have to go through that in order to get to the next stage where you can talk to another and say, you know, actually your thoughts uh, are not in a box there. You're the same as me. You're the one. The one is now talking to itself. Something that just occurred to me is it's as if I've hallucinated myself. Yes. <laughs> so that I, because I needed something to put the things in. That's right. Because people, you know, yeah, at some right. point, and, and I'm, I fully believed in this hallucination yes. at the time. Yes. <laughs> and there have been these cracks. Yes. But what I'm hearing you say is, you know, you can, you can go back to it in a very direct, there's an easy access. Yes, very easy access. <laughs> yes, we've been seeing things. Right. Seeing things where they don't, not, you know, right. hallucinating ahead here. Right. And uh, all we're doing is stopping hallucinating. Right. Been, I've been hallucinating ahead here that you tell me is here and I buy into it. Right. You know, so uh, it's a fantastic, uh, uh, fantastic journey. <laughs> really fantastic. But you've always been looking out of this open space. You've always had the whole universe in you. And you were talked out of it uh, to imagine that you're in a little box here separate from all those others out there and that there are billions and billions of others. Now, you know, that is, a, you know, you think Shakespeare's good. That is brilliant storytelling. You know, and it's not, you don't then leave the show uh, and realize, you, you, it just goes on and on. You know, that when you look out now of your open space, you see that you don't have a face. So everyone's face is yours, if you like. This is language. It's face to no face. I mean, that's almost too complicated a way of saying it, because it's so direct and obvious and non-verbal and non-emotional. It's just the way it's given. But, gosh, to realize that you're looking out of no face and everyone's face is your own, is that true? Yes. <laughs> no stopping you now. <laughs> but to admit this, you see, in public, you see, when you grow up, you have to, you have to kind of admit in public that you're separate and act as if that's true and keep reinforcing that all the, every day. I am Richard. You see, and you, you answer to that one, that hallucination. Someone says, Richard, I automatically turn. I don't have to think about it, because it's so deeply embedded in my awareness, if you like. Yeah. But we're reinforcing that all the time. I, <clears throat> uh, I, I introduce myself as Richard, you see. I'm reinforcing it. Now, I'm aware, I'm space, it's okay. It's, I'm a, it's like being a character in a play, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the only play in town, so I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very real thing. But you only have to look at someone and they feel looked at, right? Mm -hmm. So I am reinforcing that you're Jerry. And you're nodding, you're saying, and I'm feeling like I'm Richard. 
So this is going on all the time. This is society. This you can't stop, and I wouldn't want to stop it. it yes? I'm sure fear begins <clears throat> way back when. I mean, yes. Probably in the womb. But I would think once that the child begins to think of himself as a self, that fear would increase. Yes. That's right. Yes. There's a, a, apparently a Buddhist saying, where there's two, there's terror. <laughs> that puts it very simply, where there's two, there's terror. Because there's another. There's not me, you see, and, and a threat of some kind, someone out there. See, someone behind me or whatever. You know. It seems like... A I know you talked about the, the development of somebody uh, where they they start to think of other people as having minds and having their own uh, kind of empathy. It seems like this is a development of that empathy to a higher level. Yes. You recognize that for everybody, they don't they don't see their own face. And whereas before you thought they had a face, I have a face, but now you realize nobody has a face for themselves. That's right. And you start to act. That goes into your consciousness because it's true. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. true, you see. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. So you're not making anything up and you don't have to sort of maintain it. You're, you're relaxing into the truth. See, It's not something you've got to keep thinking. You just recognize it's true. So then gradually you began to begin to respond to people with that awareness that, you know, that actually our two voices are in the one consciousness, right? Yeah. Yes, you see. Yeah. Now, we are reaffirming our separateness, you see? Well, Sunim, Richard, Jerry, Richard. But now, you see, and that's what we've been doing all our lives, and that's what we're taught to do in society, and taught that that's who you are. But now when we pause and take a fresh look at ourselves, we see who we really are, we're looking out of space. So now why not bring this onto the front burner in society and talk about it and confirm, I am space for you and you're space for me, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it's just mad not to. That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Richard, can you talk about, since you work with people, you know, so often, can you talk about what you think would prevent that? Prevent what? That openness to what you're presenting, for example? Well, uh, you see, most people have not been shown the experiments yet. Okay. <laughs> so they're unaware of their open space. So it's just a lack of access. Yeah, lack of access, that's all it is. Yeah. Lack of access is like... You know, we, lack of access to, to clean water on the planet, lack of access to who you really are. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we need to uh, make this uh, as widely accessible as possible uh, and offer it, you see. Now, uh, the thing is that if you're aware you're looking out of space, then you're aware everyone else is, whether they know it or not. So you act, you act. I mean, up until you know that, you act as if others are separate. And you're separate, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And after that, you've still got that going, but now you act as if, as if, as is. They are open, looking out of open space. That you, they're in you and you're in me. They are. You're in, you, you, even if the other person doesn't know that they're open space for me, they are. Right. Right. So you, you begin, this is a, a, a evolution in our consciousness. You, you, you are now presented with a fact, you know. They say, uh, they uh, presented with the fact that the earth is round and it goes round the sun. Well, that takes centuries to digest, mm-hmm. right? Right. Well, this will take centuries to digest, mm. you see. Mm. It, it doesn't all suddenly change. This is an evolution in the way that we, it will affect the way that we understand each other and the world and, and everything. You know, we haven't begun to see the profound implications of this, but you can get some ideas. Yeah? Now, when you operate consciously from this headless space, which makes it sound a lot more complicated than it is, right? Because it's just being yourself naturally. Right. In a certain sense, <laughs> the king, time is king. In a certain sense, you don't need anyone else to agree with you, right? Because you can see it, uh, and they, they, you're not dependent on them confirming that you're headless, or them confirming that they are headless, because they are, right? right? So that you're recognition of it, you're seeing now that you're face to no face with others you're doing it for them and as them because the space you're looking out of isn't yours personally, right? right. You know, in fact, when you look at someone, the space belongs to their face, because it's in it right? Yeah. Mm. Right. It's like I'm a guest in my space Yes, all of that Yeah. Yes. But when I'm looking at you, you see is it Richard seeing who is that his space empty? No, it's the space. Right. In fact, I would say it, it, that this reality now belongs more to you than some idea of Richard because it, it's there's your appearance. Here is your reality, your reality, That's right? right? Yeah. So you do as soon as you become aware of this open space. Uh, you realize uh, game over. Yeah, so if you if we did <clears throat> yesterday when we did the the dots, if nobody would have moved, we would have the end of the workshop, right? Well, yes, wouldn't have even <laughs> begun, would it? <laughs> yeah, we'd have missed out on a bit of fun, wouldn't we? Yeah. But doesn't that indicate how difficult it is to actually, like, I think at least half or more than half the people here have been studying headlessness for over a month. But it's so hard to, to not be influenced by who's around you that even having, in one sense, learned that through experiments. Yes. That when the, with the situation, when the pressure rises, here I go, I'm going to start moving now like yes. everybody else. But this, you see... Uh, I take the view that whatever happens is is uh, in the plan. Yeah. <laughs> you see? So uh, there's nothing gone wrong. No, no. <laughs> and uh, if you think that seeing that you're open space 
is going to free you from this 24-7 feedback that you're a person and that you're never going to buy into that being true anymore and you're going to be always free. I say, I say dream on. Mm. Because it's just coming at you the whole time. Mm. And this is not, you see, you think, well, that's something gone wrong then. No. I take the view there's something going right here, but now you, you, you uh, it'd be much, much sort of simpler just if it all went away. <laughs> and you no longer felt identified with your appearance, you know, mm -hmm. you see. But th that'd be the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't happen. And there's a very good reason for it. Uh, uh, but these reasons for the, these uh, things that seem like they're difficult uh, take time to reveal themselves, which is all part of this journey. The truth itself reveals itself 100% uh, full on right now. Can't see more of the space than you are doing now. Can't see it more clearly. Can't see it nearer to you. Can't hold it more. <laughs> you know, can't own it more. <laughs> but what it means to you comes in bits and pieces and reveals itself gradually to you differently from anyone else. And this is the way it is. And it's uh, a brilliant uh, invention. So each time you leave home, when you come back, you appreciate it a little bit that's more. That's it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I mean, when you are an infant and a child, you, you make things up as you go along. The world is your oyster, and you, nothing is impossible, you know, more or less. But as you grow up, you begin to see yourself more and more from outside as this very limited thing with the limited resources. And that is uh, understandable. From the outside, you are limited. But you begin to live as if you're limited. Now, obviously, you accept your limitations, you know, uh, but when you reawaken to who you are, you see that the place you're living from is unlimited. And it's just, uh, it, it, you see, I take the view that the whole thing is coming out of the void. I don't know how. Uh, and I don't, you know, it, it doesn't mean I have to make an effort for it to come out. It's just weightlessly, effortlessly here in the void. So, using language, I say, well, it's coming out the void, moment by moment. How creative is this ground? <coughs> you just can't stop it. It's just ceaselessly, you know, it's so imaginative. Mm. This, this scene here is imagination, uh, you know, incredible. So I take that view. So then you, re you recognize, well, this void where I am is just, it can't stop itself. It's just so uh, effortlessly creative. Now, does it do what Richard wants it to do? Most of the time, not. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you have to say, well, I presumably it knows more than I do. <laughs> so to speak, right? But then, you see, you start to actually own it or take that on board that you're, you're looking out of this just incredible powerhouse 
See, you, you can't hear it working. You, you can't see how it's up to, you know, 200 megawatts now. <laughs> but it's demonstrating itself all the time, you see. And what can it not do? I mean, it, it has happened. It, it, it's self-evidently, it's happened. I mean, that itself is just, you know, inexplicable. You have happened, and this is you. This is your true nature. Who you are? You, you are. Do you know how you did that? By opening up. By opening up. <laughs> as good as answer as any. <laughs> <laughs> so this reacquire anything. Wow, you know, and and I. We're taught that the universe is not on our side. That it's not friendly. Right. You see, and this is a shift to it is completely on your side, and it is very, very friendly most of the time. <laughs> so, yes. What do you make of things like genocide or sexual abuse or prejudice in the world? Is that people far away from their openness and their? Space? I would say so. I, I I would say so. Yes. Yes. What about simply child starvation, like 30,000 are lining up today to starve tomorrow? Um, just merely because, well, many of them, that subgroup, just simply can't get water because it's not in their vicinity. Yes. Well, uh, you see, the, the world that is arising within this space is full of uh, pain and suffering and full of unresolved issues and full of difficulties. And you can't, you know, it's a world of opposites and paradox. And it, it doesn't obey one's neat ideas of how it should be. And this is the way it is. I mean, you can't argue with it. It, it is that way. Now, you could say at one level that, uh, 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 you see, when you see who you are, um, I mean, there's a great drama going on. Uh, and this doesn't excuse anything. It, uh, it doesn't pretend it's not real. Uh, you know, uh, uh, like uh, Sojourn was saying, it, it gives you deeper empathy mm -hmm. that you are that child. Yes. So, uh, when you see who you are, I think... Uh, it, 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 you see, someone like Bill Gates is going around trying to help people. Water, you know, medicine in Africa. Now, at some level, he's identified with those people, isn't he? He must be, you see. Well, when you see who you are, it takes you in the direction of identifying with that one. So, I hope, you know, it, it, Hopefully, it will lead you in the direction of trying to sort out these problems. But it, I, I suspect it will never get fully sorted out. But, you know, uh, uh, awakening to who you are promotes empathy and love and attention. But that's for discovering, yeah. Something that uh, is occurring to me uh, a couple people responded to uh, 
it seems after you mentioned that the we have this experience that the universe is friendly, uh, and then you know, we began talking about uh, you know, very uh, profound suffering. In my own experience, what is you know what I'm remembering is that in moments of profound suffering, the the still the basic flow of energy coming out of me or the basic experience is that um, friendly in the sense that. Uh, I'm, I'm still being embraced within the midst of that suffering. There's still some, some power is embracing me. Um, and if I am open, then my heart opens and there's more compassion, more empathy. Mm. Lose your head, find your heart. Right, mm. exactly. Yes, uh, the whole world is floating in the void, right, you could say? Mm. So the whole world is held in the void, like a safety net. Mm. Uh, the whole world is uh, embraced, you know, as if the, you, the void, have got you, your true self, the one. Uh, you've got invisible arms around the whole thing. I mean, it feels like that right mm -hmm. now. I, I feel like I've got in, invisible arms around this whole room and all of you. Mm. And everything is within me, you see. Now that is a very uh, loving thing. It, it's like, you know, that image of the mother hen with the chicks yeah. under its wings. It's like that. This mm -hmm. is it. You know, uh, now you can't, it, you're not, my arms here, if you look at me, my, my arms embrace a very small bit of the room. Now you open your arms and have one hand on one side of the view and one other. Just do it, you see, like this. Uh, now, the whole world is between your arms, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that is your true nature. The whole world is between... You embrace the whole world. The first person is quite different from the third person. The third person embraces a tiny bit. But the first person embraces everything. Now, you see, as you are conscious of this, being, seeing this is living from it. It's not different. Seeing this is right now. Seeing this is living from it, and you are conscious of being, you know, whether you phrase it like this or, or or not, you know, or feel it like that. It's, that is secondary. You are, you have your invisible arms around the whole thing. Now that is friendly. Now sometimes what you've got your invisible around, arms around is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. We're not being stupid here, you know. We're not being kind of denying the danger in the, in the world and, uh, and, you know, the suffering and uh, cruelty. But nevertheless, you've got, you do have your arms around that. It's not a choice that you have your invisible arms around the things you like and you, you, you're not, not going to embrace... Mm. Uh, I like the idea you know, always um, that we're all one. Thinking of it spiritually or maybe religiously, and so when we do the uh, headless circle, that you know, if I can right now for the first time, I imagined the whole 7.5 billion in one headless circle, then we all in have one space. One space. At the top. Yes. And work. That's yes. And this is true. You see, this is true. Everyone uh, disappears and you know comes out or lives from. Uh, uh, this same space that you're living from. And that makes it like more real. I mean, it gives it some reality for me now. Yes, understood. 
Yes, these experiments really make it physical. Really ground it. You know, so the, the thing you do here, which is this, is acknowledging that Excuse me? <laughs> Please edit that out of the video. <laughs> it won't now, keep it in. <laughs> um, this is, I acknowledge. Uh, I mean, what, what does that mean to you? When you're doing it here, when you, when you do that, what, what are you doing? What, what does that mean to Giving you? myself to the person. You what? Giving myself to the person. Ah. So when you look at me, you, you, Sunim disappears in favor of Richard, right? Correct. You vanish now in favor of Richard. You, you completely give up Sunim mm. and become Richard. Yes. Yes. You can't help. This is not a choice. You look at someone and you you disappear in favor of them. We say you disappear in favor of them. So when we um, like when I experience my headless space and the timelessness of it, I can relate to it on the idea that it's timeless and maybe that it's always been. But the idea that it will always be and I won't die, that it won't just end, it seems like it's like maybe just a wishful thought to avoid the idea that I might die. So can you um, yeah. say anything that would help me under, uh, have the experience of it actually being eternal in the forward direction? Yes. Well, you see, uh, this is where we have the experience and then we have to work out these questions. And it takes time. Uh, but, uh, uh, and you've been taught that you are what you look like and that began and will end. And that's true. So, uh, one is not suggesting that Jerry is going to go on. Jerry will die. But uh, we really have to start trusting our own experience here because we're so used to applying the same uh, conditions to ourselves. See, uh, others are going to die, therefore I'm going to die. And uh, this is where, when one looks for oneself, you see, obviously your body's going to die. The room is going to go at some point, it will fall down. The planet will die. The galaxy will die. It'll be a dead galaxy at some point. Everything, obviously, uh, will die. But the place you're looking out of, see, and this is where we, we, you're, we are challenged to start thinking in a new way. The place you're looking out of, is there anything there? No. Right. Mm. 
in your experience, isn't there always something in that nothingness? I mean, there is right now, right? Yes. Okay. So, the, so here's a way of thinking about it. That the individual things within the view come and go. Are born and die. Mm -hmm. But the whole, the, the nothing full of something, just is not that kind of thing. Now, if you want, you see, we say, will it continue on in the future? I think mm -hmm. that is applying uh, the idea of time to the void. It's not, in, you know, it just doesn't have a date on it. Uh, we can't understand it. But I would, uh, I, uh, I think one, I've come just to accept that it, it's, it's just not in time. The, it's always full of something. The individual things come and go. But it's, it, 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 it is more wonderful than you can ever believe. And I think we, we, we've been talked out of our glory. We've been talked out of this fantastic uh, 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 identity. Yeah. So uh, uh, this is something to mull, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can get the relative truth of timelessness in that space. What's the relative truth? That it's timeless. I can get that because I can feel that. Yeah. But the ultimate truth of it being timeless. You know, I'm in the our collective one consciousness of timelessness. Yeah. But when I die, I'm no longer in that collective one consciousness of timelessness. Well, you Maybe. see, you said when I die, but you... Uh, okay. Uh, it depends which eye you're talking about. The eye that is Jerry will die, but the eye that is you is just not that kind of thing. Now that's for testing and checking out. But you, you know, I just say, well, you, you, uh, Jerry will die, but you won't. Sounds like a good column. Yeah, well, it is in a way, isn't it? Douglas Harding's book, The Face Game, uh, which he wrote in the late 60s, is um, very radical. And uh, it was a, uh, uh, he, he was really uh, reinterpreting transactional analysis. The idea in tra transactional analysis is we're all playing psychological games, but we're not aware of them. You know? uh, so it might be persecutor-victim kind of thing. And you get, a, you get a payoff of being the victim, or you get a payoff of being the persecutor, but you're unconscious, you're playing a game. And, uh, uh, but it has, it, you know, it traps you. So the idea is to raise to consciousness this psychological game, become aware of it and free yourself of it, you see. Well, anyway, why I thought of it was that Douglas reinterpreted this, because as soon as you start play, stop playing one game, you start playing another one. And it never ends. You know, and now you're playing the game of not playing the game. You know, it just goes round and round, you see. Uh, the, the, the person with the biggest ego is the one who thinks he doesn't have one. <laughs> right? you know, so you can't get out of it. Except, uh, Douglas suggested that underlying all these games that we're playing is a master game, the face game. Because it, it, you, it's the basis from which you think you're a... You know, I, if I could have... Uh, 
I'm playing the game I've got to face here. Mm. And I'm playing the game that you're over there behind the face. And we're separate. And I'm acting as if... Now I raise that to consciousness. I say, I'm not, I'm not behind the face. So, in terms of, uh, you look out and you see other people were born and will die. They are in time. That is true. But the game is, I was born and I am in time. And the remedy is to see you're not. I'm not a thing here that was born and will die. I'm not in time, time is in me. You see. And uh, uh, have a look and see whether you were born and will die. Thank you. It's so brilliant, you know, to start to say the truth. I was not born and I will never die. I've never gone anywhere, this is my home. You've arrived in me. I mean, I really haven't gone anywhere. You know, later on, I suspect London will... I'll look out and I'll see London there. And I won't go anywhere. And this is more and more mysterious and more and more restful and more and more wonderful and more and more friendly. You know, it's the prodigal son returning home, you know, to the place you never left. Literally. You've never left here. You've always been here. You've always, oh, this is your home. And currently, the Zen Center's arising in your home. And, you know, recently, I, I've begun to sort of accept at some level that my true home is this space. My true home isn't my place in London. My true home is this space. Now, it's not the kind of home that I was told I lived in. So you've got, you know, and is it really the one I want? You know, vast space... Well, it's the one I am. I've got. Expensive. <laughs> what? It's expensive. <laughs> so, um, Richard, would you say that just the simple act of seeing reality is basically seeing your true face? Absolutely. Would you agree? Yeah. <laughs> but it's so simple. You don't have to put anything on it. It's just reality as it is. Yes. It's a true face. You, you, you don't have to put anything on it. I like that. I mean, you can't put anything on it. But, I mean, you don't have to dress it up. Decorate it. <laughs> I get these little bit of blue up in the top corner here. <laughs> I think it should be more like that. You know? <laughs> Yes. Make, uh, make our true nature accessible to everyone. No face for everyone. <laughs> you know, clean water for everyone. Your true nature, available for everyone. Free at, free, the point of, <laughs> free at the point of delivery. 
quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we, we should have a helpline, you know. <laughs> you know. If you don't yet know how to see your true nature, call. <laughs> now. <laughs> zero, zero, zero. One eight hundred headless. That's right. Uh, no, okay, all right, all right. Well, uh, okay, just uh, look for your face. Can you, can you see your face? No? All right, there you are. Next. <laughs> you don't need to call us, you can go to the website, you know. It's like eating fresh vegetables is not profitable to, you know, it's, it's healthy, but a lot of people don't realize that because it's not that profitable for large corporations to sell, you know, fresh, fresh vegetables. Where are we going with this? Well, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's something that is very beneficial, but it's right. not um, advertised yes. or, or widely propagated necessarily. Being aware of your true nature is hugely healthy and beneficial and yeah. good for you, good for you. Yes. Yes, Mr. Lang, that's the GP, the doctor. I think a little bit more headlessness, please. <laughs> I would take it more regularly. First thing in the morning. <laughs> Three times a day. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I relate to what, you, I think I got that. It's like, okay, yeah, because... People take these pills and expensive supplements and go to acupuncturists, but it's like, you know, the remedy could just, you know, just eat plain food. Yes, that's right. But, yeah. yes. Is mm. it true that um, Douglas Harding's headstone, that's all there is? No, uh, it's not. They, it, it, it didn't seem to go down well with the locals. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we have, you'll see, you can see a picture on the website somewhere. It is of the layers of the onion. Oh. And it's oh. a very beautiful headstone. Oh. Yes, it, it, with, the, with oh. the galaxy and the star and, and the first person yeah. half onion map of it, it, your body and, and the arms, the arms that embrace the universe with the layers. Yes, so it, 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 it's a lovely one, yeah. Under what on the website do you have it? I think if you go to Douglas Harding, under that menu, I think you might find it. Okay. I'll have a look. Okay. I can show you some of this. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah. Oh. oh. The timeless is out of time. You're crazy. In a good way. It can well, go on without us. Yeah. What? It can go on without us. <laughs> yes, yes. The void still here after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> well, a delight to be here uh, and to uh, effortlessly create you out of the great void. Mm. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Richard, to have you here this time. So Thank really, you. I hope we can do it many more times. I hope so too. Okay. I hope so.
because he's the only one here that hasn't done any of the workshop, and I'm wondering what's happening to him over there. Oh, yeah. So How you do doing, John? I just said that. I did. We had okay. a workshop uh, yesterday. Yeah, because you're yeah. the only one here that wasn't in at least half of the workshop, so I, I hope that... What was it like for you today? Um, it was interesting. I think it connected a lot of disparate thoughts that I'd had over a lifetime that I never really stitched together before, so that was nice. <laughs> Um, one of the things that was curious was I've heard you know people speak of um, kind of psychic phenomenon or tapping into unconsciousness and everything. And it seems like perhaps these are individuals who have just peeled away all those layers and are just there permanently. Perhaps I don't know. That's well, you see, I would say we're all looking out to the nothing. Mm -hmm. But our views out are surprisingly different, and. Uh, uh, some people might be aware of that kind of thing, and others, you know, but a cat is aware of quite different things. Mm -hmm. you know? So the view out can vary enormously in terms of its detail, but the place we're looking out of is the same. Uh, so uh, often enough, when people open up to their true nature, it opens doors. It, it, it can make you a lot more sensitive to maybe things like that, or maybe just the color of the rose. Mm -hmm. Because you're, the screen, the veil is gone, and you, you're directly attentive to, to what is going on, rather than lost in a fog of thought about yourself. You know? So, um, when you live from who you are, it, it, uh, the world reveals itself uh, uh, deeper and deeper and deeper. So it's a great journey. Mm. All right. Mm -hmm. I, I can't go on further because my union says I can't. <laughs> 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 We're over time now, aren't we? <laughs>